Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Episode 23: The Self-Love Experiment with Shannon Kaiser. Welcome to the Alternatively Healthy Podcast. I am your host, Becky Rabin, personal trainer, wellness coach, and founder of online wellness magazine, Alternatively Healthy. This is your high vibe, soul soothing weekly dose of wellness. Each week, I will be getting up close and personal, bringing you conversation and insight with some of the wellness industry's most renowned health practitioners, coaches, experts, and thought leaders from around the world. Through our podcast, we hope to give you all the information, resources, and tools that you need to help shape the healthiest and happiest version of you. Shannon Kaiser is the best-selling author of four books on the psychology of happiness and fulfillment, including The Self-Love Experiment and Adventures for Your Soul. As an international life coach, speaker, and business mentor, She helps people trust and believe in themselves so that they can live their highest potential. She has been named the top 100 women to watch in wellness by Mind Body Green alongside Cameron Diaz, Gwyneth Paltrow, Chris Carr and Gabrielle Bernstein. And one of the freshest voices in mental health and wellness by Chicken Soup for the Soul. In this week's episode, we delve deep into the fastest ways of fulfillment, feeling good, cutting out self-sabotage and living a passion-filled life. We really get to grips and learn the ropes of the self-love game, overcoming fear and learning what self-love truly means. Hi, Shannon. How are you? It's so good to be here. I'm great. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me. I mean, it's evening here for me, but it's probably lovely sunny morning for you over there in California, isn't it? It is. We have a rainy evening, two different worlds apart. <laughs> but right here together, it's beautiful. Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really grateful and humbled to have you here today. I obviously saw you at Mel's, one of our mutual friends, Self Love Summit, and I was just blown away by your talk because I felt it was not only like extremely resonating with my own personal story on so many levels, but also just very real and very matter of fact and very to the point as to like how we can truly learn to love ourselves. And I also found your story really inspiring. So super keen today to be talking about your book, The Self-Love Experiment, and what your ethos is and your vision behind helping women build up their self-worth, learn to love themselves and fill themselves up. Because I think 
from my perspective, if everyone here listening who's used to listening to the podcast, they know that's one of my biggest things that I really don't ever stop talking about. But I just think as someone myself who's gone through so much self-sabotage and self-loathing and been on such a journey of growth, I just want to help as many people as I can. So I'd love for you to share your story, essentially, and how you wound up where you are and where the self-love experiment concept came from. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that. I think we get in our heads and for decades, I really lived in my head and I was actually in a completely different career. Today, I write books and I'm an international coach and speaker, but I was in advertising and climbing the corporate ladder and I was extremely depressed, but it looked like I had it all together. I was happy making lots of money, dating a man who wanted to marry me, but I would cry myself to sleep every night. And in fact, it got so bad that I had to excuse myself at work because of the fear, the anxiety in my mind. I would actually pass out because I would forget to breathe. I was so in fear. I hated myself. I avoided mirrors. You know, as you said, we were our biggest critic and there was nothing kind about what I was saying to myself. And I went to the doctor and my doctor diagnosed me with clinical depression. And this was in 2009. And I came home that day and I cried on the bathroom floor next to the toilet, like so many nights before. But this night was very different because I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep living this life that I think I'm supposed to live, but it doesn't feel at all like what I want to be living. And in that moment, the air around me thinned out and I felt this peace that I had never felt before. And it was my inner voice. It said, Shannon, follow your heart. And I was like, I don't know what my heart wants, but that feels good. That feels way better than what I've been living. And so moment by moment, second by second, really, I reconstructed my life. And I started first by eliminating all the things that did not feel good. And one at a time, the relationship, the career, the place I was living, I started to chip away. And as I started to do that, the things that I wanted, who I really was, what really matters to me started to reveal itself. And then the eating disorders, the self-sabotage started to become more of a focus because I was happy, but I was still suffering silently. And I was no longer depressed, but I still had a very unhealthy relationship with food. And I asked myself, I said, how happy can you truly be? I have a book out now. I'm coaching people on happiness. I know how to be happy, but how happy can you truly be if you don't love yourself? And that was a turning point for me because I said, you know what? Your full-time mission is to learn how to become your own best friend. And everything else from there will become apparent. And so what I really discovered is self-love is freedom. And I heard the word self-love before and I was like, oh, it's this hippy-dippy, you know, like I don't have it. So what is it? And I went on a journey, a three-year journey, and I documented that. And that turned into my book, the best-selling book, The Self-Love Experiment, which is a memoir style. But I also give practical ways that we can learn how to be more compassionate and kind to ourselves because that's really what it's about. Like life is already hard. We don't have to be so hard on ourselves. Yeah. Your story resonates with me on so many levels as someone who also was in the advertising world. As a kid, grew up being like, I don't care what I do for work. As long as I get to be creative, I get to go to a really cool big building in a corporate yes, world yeah. and heels to work. Like my mum was like, you used to joke about how you just wanted to wear heels to work and be this like glamorous <laughs> woman. And I was exactly the same as you. I got caught up in the growth of the corporate world, but not actually really having any creativity because you're constantly being red taped around what you can and can't do. But what's so interesting is that I learned like finally built up the courage to leave and do my own thing, but then also got lost again along the way. And I guess it's really interesting because you say you like having it all together on the outside, but at the same time, really not having it all together. But 
How did you differentiate the contrast of having it all together? Obviously, it didn't make you feel good, but equally, it's like shedding those old patterns. I'm trying to relate to like something that I've been through where it's that contrast of actually, there are days where you enjoy elements of it. And it's that contrast of having it all together, but also at the same time, not. Were there certain parts that you did enjoy or did you just really get to the bottom of being like, I absolutely hate it here? Well, I think that's a beautiful point because I was at the point where I was so in my mind that I hated it. And because I hated it, it actually amplified it and made it worse. But I got to a point where I realized I wanted this at one point. So I started to reframe how I looked at it. And I share this in the self-love experiment too. It's almost like I pulled back and I said, wait a second, I wanted this at some point. And now that I got it, it doesn't feel it at all like what I thought, but it helped me get to the next level of my life. And the next level me wants to love herself. The next level me really wants to thrive in life. And so now I can almost look at it as a thank you career that I don't like in a suffocating my soul for getting me here. So I actually turned to gratitude. The boss that was very controlling or manipulative, I actually started to thank. The money that was coming in that was helping me put more money into savings for that cushion, the little things like that. So gratitude was a turning point for me. But I also looked at my fears. I had a huge fear of what other people would think. What if I leave? Like, mom and dad are proud. You're making good money in the big city. You know, that kind of thing. Mm. So looking at our fears and really identifying them. And then I got to the point where I said, well, what is the biggest rational fear is what if I don't have money and I have to go live in my parents' basement or bankrupt or you go to the worst case scenario. And I said, that's probably not going to happen. And even if it does, I'm going to be okay. My happiness, my self-worth, my joy is so much more important than sacrificing any part of me. And that became my driving force forward even talking from my own perspective, I did the exact same thing. My mum was like to me, I wish you'd just save some money before you left your full-time job. And I just like left and was like, do you know what? Money's going to come to me because it's meant to be. But equally, I'd been toying with the decision for six months and it was a really stressful six months. And I also went, do you know what? If I have to move back in with my mum, I'm never going to be homeless. And there are people who are worse off. My mum will never let me go homeless. But those six months were like torture. Was yours a process, like a journey? Because literally someone said to me, and she became a mentor to me, and she was like, you're so nearly there. One day you're going to wake up and you're just going to be ready to go for it. Is that how you felt? Or was it like a long process? Or was it just literally like your breakdown moment was kind of your breakthrough? Oh, I think we constantly have multiple breakdown breakthroughs, right? So I I share that one. We're going to go on to that one in a bit, yeah. (laughs) Yes. It's such a process because when I first left advertising and had that clarity, like, I don't want to live in Chicago anymore. I don't want to be with this man or in this career. I had no idea what I wanted. So I actually say a lot of times now, because looking back, I realized we learned the way on the way. So each step I took, I actually became very clear. So what happened is I said, I need a vacation. I haven't taken a vacation ever. And I'm in this corporate career. You know, I was like the workaholic. So my boss was like, "Uh, yeah, you can take a vacation. Okay. Because he was surprised. I'd never done that. I went to Paris and I brought my computer. I never did that before, but all of a sudden I started writing and I was like, what is this? This is so joyful. And I submitted one of those stories and it got published to Chicken Soup for the Soul, which is an inspirational kind of thing. And I was like, my very first article I ever wrote in my life got published. And that was a, a sign. And I didn't save a lot of money at all. In fact, that was my goal. Like my plan was, okay, I'm going to leave in six months. I'm going to save every penny. This is my plan. But you get your plan, right? We have our plans. But once you get very clear within yourself of what you truly want, the universe will bend over backwards. Your higher self, your true self is going to deliver. And that very week, I actually got laid off from that job to give me a separate 
allowed me to move back to Portland. And so things unfolded in a beautiful way. But then the story goes deeper. I went back into advertising because I was scared. So it keeps going. But the point is when you follow your heart, and I love what you said, money's going to come. When you follow your heart, you are always provided for, always. And I saw that time and time again in my entrepreneurial career. Yeah. And the only reason I'm really massively focusing on this is because I do know that there's a huge amount of this audience that are desperate to move and change and do things, but are scared to do it. So I just thought it'd be good to talk on that. But I guess, again, listening to your heart. So whenever I've hosted workshops for people and I do this one called Pursuit of the Dream Job. So it's people moving from where they are to where they want to be. And the biggest thing is that they kind of fill their heads up with so much noise and what ifs, but if this doesn't work, if that doesn't work, what do I do? What do I, oh, should I stay here? So you're kind of this craziness going on in your head how do you truly sit down and listen to your heart because it's interesting to me that yours was partly because you just took yourself away and I always find that that's why I travel so much is because that's where I always get my clarity because I actually switch off but how does someone begin to listen to their heart is there certain questions that they ask themselves yeah I think that's a great question I think there's two parts here first we have to give ourselves permission Mm -hmm. like I said I didn't think I was worth it I hadn't asked for a vacation ever so give yourself permission but I think the thing about travel for you and me and and a lot of the listeners is it fulfills a need so traveling is a huge purpose because it actually allows us to get comfortable and learn how to thrive in the unknown and so we can look at the things that bring us joy or that we think we truly want and dig a little deeper and say well what is it about this And, and it's really about identifying your values When you get clear about your values, you know, I love to travel, but traveling isn't a value. It's actually digging deeper about exploring and allowing yourself to go where you need to go. So identifying your values, giving yourself permission, but also realizing, and this is why the book is called The Self-Love Experiment. I approach everything like an experiment. It is our life. And I read a study that was actually done in the UK. You've probably um, maybe seen it, but the number one regret of people on the dying, a nurse had interviewed thousands and thousands of people on their deathbed, was I wish I had allowed myself to live a life of more joy. I'm kind of butchering it. It's actually, I wish I would have allowed myself to live a life for me and not what others expected of me. That's what it is. And when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, I am going through the motions of what society thinks. And so it is about showing up for you and recognizing that time, not knowing how much time we have can actually be a really great motivator. And there is no wrong. I think this was a big learning for me. I thought, what if I make the wrong choice? What will happen? And we get crazy in our head with the what ifs. But what if we just changed our perspective and said, what if it's not wrong? What if it's all growth? Everything I try is going to give me more clarity and more confidence on who I really want to be. Yeah, it's so amazing. And I did a podcast this morning with a life coach and this is just the exact same thing of the sense of like, it's just literally your mindset. You have to change your perspective. And we do we worry so much about what people think of us. So you kind of went through this process of shedding what wasn't good for you. And again, this is something I can relate to because sometimes think you can heighten what's not good for you. So if you get it in your head that you just dislike something or you dislike yourself. The more you focus on it, the more you bring it into a bigger place when actually there might be something else going on. So how did you really figure out that this wasn't where you wanted to be and that you were ready to move into something completely new? Well, I think you get to a point where, and I think Tony Robbins says this too, where you're at a point where it's absolutely so troubling that you have no other choice. Mm -hmm. And the amount of joy that is missing is a real red flag for us. If you don't feel joyful, I was crying all the time. I didn't like myself. My relationships were superficial and that's no way to live. I got to a place where I said, okay, 
I've been on autopilot going through this thinking this is all there is, but what if there's more to life? So I think it's a process and that's what I do. Really, it's about Mm self-inquiry and going Mm -hmm. inward and becoming more self-aware. So I journaled a lot. I meditated. I opened myself up to new possibilities. But I think the biggest thing is really be okay, truly be okay with letting go of what no longer works. And that is kind of a skill in itself, isn't it? Because you're just so scared of what change that can be and you feel comfortable there. But I think that's the most incredible advice. So in terms of the self-love experiment, what are the key pillars of the experiment and within the book? But as we're reading through it, what are the key things that you focus on? So the self-love experiment is a journey, of course, but there's pillars. So there's pillars of self-love. And I think sometimes we approach the self-love, we hear the word and we get a little overwhelmed, but it's actually a breakdown that you can think about to start off with. And that's what I did. It's going from hating yourself, not being able to look in the mirror. And the very first one is like self-care. The book itself is broken into parts. Part two is really about the experiment and self-care is the foundation, right? And I know with everything you're doing in the holistic... Everything that you're doing in the audience that's here, we understand that when we take care of ourselves, we feel better. And it's not always green juice yoga. Like that's a big part of it, but that's the practice. It's what we say to ourselves about ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm self-care is layered. And then self-compassion is a very big pillar as well. And then we start to learn how to trust ourselves. And this is also part of self-love. And the more you do the things you really want to do, and the more you push yourself to really be who you want to be, the easier your life is. And the more we trust ourselves because we become confident, we say, wow, that wasn't so bad. I left corporate. Oh, look, I'm still alive, right? You take these steps that seem very big. And then of course we move into accepting ourselves, but there's also principles that I share that are really important. And that's the big part of the self-love experiment. Yeah. There's a lot of different principles I share. And what are some of those principles just to give an idea of like one or two of them that you would share? One of the big ones is to actually recognize that we need to, no matter what age we are, is to be who we needed to be when we were younger. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. often there's a situation that happens when we're younger, we get triggered and we learn our behavior on how to adapt. We don't want to get made fun of. We don't want mom and dad to fight trauma even. And so yeah. we separate ourselves and we basically grow up into an adult thinking we're not worthy. Or if we do speak our truth or if we do do something that's true to ourselves, then the society or culture is going to laugh at us like they did in second grade. So really it's about going back to your childhood and embracing that young you and saying, I love you. I'm here for you. And there's processes I take. Of course, we've heard yeah. this in therapy. So often we separate ourselves as adults, but that's still part of us. And so it's really about loving the younger you and loving who you are right now. And then also loving the future you, you know, and then I think another self-love principle, that's probably one of my favorites is self-love is not about how you look. It's about how you live. And that was a turning point for me in my self-love journey. Cause I would cycle in and out of different gene sizes. And I always thought the number on the scale was what I needed. I would reach that number over and over and I was never happy. So it's not about at all what we look like. It's about how we feel about ourselves and how we're living our life. Are we being true to ourselves? Are we loving our life? Are we loving the people in our life? And that's what this is. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing how many people I've spoken to now across from so many different teachings, all teaching different things. And everyone's like, there is usually a trigger in childhood. And I don't think enough is given to that. And I was literally talking to someone earlier about how it would be so great to be able to go into people in schools and actually start teaching these lessons now and overcoming them. Because 
a lot of people know that, listen, my father died before I was born and I actively was never put into any kind of therapy as a child. And so I've had to deal with all of that as an adult. So it's just so interesting how much of it does relate back to childhood. But you talk a lot there about taking away the need to think that happiness comes from looking good, which is probably one of the biggest messages that I spread as a personal trainer. And, you know, I've gone through this whole process of my job was to actually make people look good. And I fell out of love with it because I realized that this wasn't what I was working on when I was coaching them. It was actually their insides and it was all irrelevant. And the moment they started loving themselves from the insides was the moment that everything on the outside changed. So how can someone truly feel good enough and that's from an internal place what sort of things can they look at within themselves to get rid of the physical and really look at what's going on inside and understand that that is where happiness and feeling good comes from oh absolutely i feel like a lot of it is about first starting with feeling we have to ask ourselves do i feel good because so often when we're focusing on that goal weight or we're trying so hard to love ourselves we're actually restricting ourselves we don't love ourselves and there's a lot of pain but when we go to the feeling things can really start to loosen up. And also, I think taking off the lens of, is this how it's supposed to be? My mom did this, my society, the coach, my fitness community is doing this. Turn your attention back to you. Stop looking outside of yourself. And that is exactly what the self-love experiment is about. It's about a journey for your own soul because self-love is not a one-size-fits-all. Fitness programs aren't, diet programs aren't. No matter what we choose, we really have to learn how to become in touch with who we are internally. And so we start by doing that in many, many ways. Meditation. There's also journal activities like questions and prompts you can ask yourself. Attending events like we met, we're at the of summit together. So I really believe a lot of it, that first step you can take is to trust yourself. So when you get insight, when you get a inner voice that says, I should go to the bookstore today. What? That's weird. And then you're all of a sudden led to the personal development section or fitness section. And you're like, this cookbook's great. I can't wait to go home and cook. You know, that's part of the journey. It's actually your true self talking to you. Keep honoring those nudges. And that becomes a process of you becoming who you really want to be, of really, truly loving yourself. Why do you think we are so resistant to that voice or to stepping outside of the box? What is it? Do you think that people fight it for so long? I think it's because it's unknown. We have grown up in seeing a lot of it's learned behavior. We see how our family acts. We see how society acts. And it's not learned. They don't teach you how to trust yourself in school. They don't teach you how to listen to your intuition, maybe some schools, places, but that's really what it's about. Because when you are a child, you do, you trust yourself. You get up and you say, I want to jump rope right now. I want to go play outside. I want to eat a carrot. Okay, I'm done. Whatever it is, you're in the flow and you're in the moment, but it's a learned behavior on how to be adult, how to you know get into society. So really it's just about returning to you. This is really what this process is. It's about stop looking outside of yourself and come back to you. Yeah. And actually get to know you and ask. I always say to my clients when they've got issues with the gym, so I've just launched this program called The Body Project. And it's basically a play on the fact that we're working on their body, but we're actually not. And I always say to people, what is it that you're craving from the gym? And when was the last time you even stopped and asked yourself why you were going? Because I think what happened is like five years ago, everyone jumped on this health bandwagon and we were like, oh, cool. It's really cool to get healthy. Let's do it. And then like five years later, no one's actually stopped and said, hang on a minute, what are my goals here? Oh, it's to feel good. And actually, 
this isn't making me feel good. And that's where I kind of not lost my place as a coach, but kind of was a little bit like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be part of this industry that's just feeding on everyone's triggers. And I think a lot of the things that you talk about throughout the book and in your own personal story is like self-sabotage, talking to yourself badly and putting yourself down and how can someone truly put a stop to that? Because I deal with women every day who are like, oh, I'm just so gross and I just can't do this. And it's no matter how positive I try and be, it doesn't take me anywhere. What are your key tips for someone in that headspace? I think we first become aware because I know for me, decades, that was my normal. And I thought that that was me. And so I think so many of us, we have that voice and we believe that that is us. So becoming aware is saying, wait a second, that part that says, oh, your thighs are jiggling or you don't look as good as that person in that workout outfit, whatever it is, that voice, we first stop it. We literally stop it by being aware and identifying it. And as we stop it, we can actually see it. And when you see it, it's like a process, stop it, see it, and then transform it. And so through my own journey, I was, of course, the queen of self-sabotage in that way and I would hear the voice and I would say, okay, this inner critic is not making me feel good. So what is something more kind or what would love say is actually what I said. So if I was like chowing down on the ice cream mindlessly, right, it was such a habit. And I would say, wait a second, this doesn't make me feel good, but it's not about the actual thing I'm doing. It's about what I'm saying to myself about what I'm doing that's really harming me. Because I truly believe that the biggest problem is that we think our problems are the problems. So for years, I thought that I liked ice cream and dairy and sugar was this bad thing. And for many years, that actually created this unhealthy relationship with food. Whereas I started to say, wait a second, what if I started to love my ice cream? What if I started to realize that the problems are actually pathways and they're leading me to more understanding? So we transform it by being more kind. And I said, well, right now, at this very moment, I'm going to taste it. I'm going to be present. And it's little activities like that time and time again. So if you're comparing yourself, which is the number one thing that really makes us fall into sabotage, Mm -hmm. comparing yourself at the gym, wherever you are. Burrow是一家日本的连锁店，名誉在全球。它们的主要客户包括家具、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、家电、
turn back and say, you know what, we're all on our own journey. And it's almost, I heard this the other day. If you think about the flowers out in the field, every single flower is different. Every flower, right? Yeah. But the flowers aren't comparing themselves. We people are just like flowers, or you may have heard the metaphor. We're like stars. We're all part of the human race. And I was at the gym one day during my self-love experiment a few years ago. And I looked at every single body instead of a comparison, gosh, I wish I looked like her, God, I wish I had my high school skinny again, whatever it is. I said, oh my gosh, there is no one body alike. So this false thing in our mind that we're trying to reach is completely made up. It's a fear-based illusion we're chasing. And so we can shatter it by really turning back inward and saying, I'm beautiful as I am. And if that feels very foreign, because it did for me at first, we start with baby steps. I choose love, right? And that's the thing, isn't it? I think it just feels so foreign to people at first. And it's almost like people are, I read a really interesting book recently about how we have this, I don't know if you've ever read it called The Leap. It's more of a business book, but it was just really interesting how he puts into perspective how we have this like limit as to how good we allow ourselves to feel. And the more uncomfortable we are with feeling good, the more we will sabotage ourselves in other ways when things are going good, because we don't feel like we are deserving enough of things going good. And it really was interesting because I then noticed a pattern in my life. I was like, I have these like three weeks where I'm like floating, literally floating. I feel like everyone's coming to me, opportunities are coming to me, every seed that I planted grows and I'm unstoppable. And then all of a sudden I'll do something to completely throw off my mood. And it gets longer every time. You know, now I've started to notice it when I do it and I go, haha, well done, Becky. And I think that's the key is like a lot of people say it's not really about stopping yourself from ever doing it. It's about noticing when you do go back into those bad habits. And I think it's Gabby Burns that is that she says like you quickly come back to love. So how quickly yeah. you bounce back, isn't it? Is that kind of I what you that's... would say is key? Yes, absolutely. But I think also if just from a coach perspective, right, like taking off that we think it's bad because that's harming us so much. So if we first loosen the reins on what's good and bad, because some people don't think it's bad, right? And I know there's different medical, all kinds of stuff, but if we really think about it, that's harming us. And also you nailed it. All of this comes back to a deep, deep, deep insecurity of us that we either feel unworth it or we're not worthy or we feel unloved. We don't feel lovable. And so those two kind of base layers, that's really what we start to do when we practice self-love. And so, yeah, I agree with you. We go through moments and I was doing that. There's a part in my book towards the end where I talk about too as well. You're going through, you feel great. And then boom, we sabotage ourselves. But what I learned and why I call it the experiment is that is actually one of the most beautiful gifts of being human because it's about the dip, as I call it now. The dip is going back to relook at a wound that hasn't been fully healed or a fear that still wants to be looked at, a fear that we thought we healed. But the dip, if we really are clear, if we're doing personal development, if we're showing up, if we're taking care of ourselves, it's like you said, and Gabby says, how quickly can you come back is actually the biggest sign of growth. So to expect that we're not supposed to dip is what's harming us. No, you're going to dip. Like, it's cool. It's part of being human. And I think that's the biggest thing that actually needs to be communicated now in the industry because everyone's like, oh, but you know, I'm going on this journey of, I have a mentor, I have a coach, I have loads of mentors and coaches. And my friend who isn't in the industry was like, the irony of that, you coaching people, yet you're seeing a therapist and you have a mentor. And I was like, yeah, because I'm growing all the time. And that's the biggest misconception I think that needs to be spread is that we're not striving for feeling happy all the time. It's just having the tools in place and understanding how quickly you can switch that mindset. And I loved what you said about 
the switch of the mindset thing. So I did a podcast not long ago and it was Dana James. She blew my mind when we were talking about social media and I was like, do you think it's really negative? You know, people seeing all these bodies. And she said, no, but you could flip it on your head and you could say, how incredible is it that when I was younger, I was just literally limited to images in magazines. And so I only saw those slim women or the curvy women. We are now open to being able to see every single body shape, every single body size that there is, every single colour, every single race on Instagram. It's actually opened us up to that world, except from we choose to see the negative in it instead of the positive. Yes. And yes. I think that's something that's really coming out of so many of these conversations is it's literally how we are viewing things, isn't it? And how we can switch it. It is. And it's about a choice. And one of the self-love principles is thinking you don't have a choice is a choice. And a lot of times when we're in our mental space or when we're stuck in a specific situation, and that really gets to the choice is how you view it. The choice is your mindset. Because sometimes we're diagnosed with diseases or we're going through a divorce or there's a certain thing that we do not have control over. But how we move through it is always a choice. We spoke a lot about fear and we're going to briefly talk about the fear. Some fears are obviously people can figure out very quickly from the get-go. And like I found with mine, a lot of it is self-belief and self-worth. And a lot of the stuff I was doing was to get acknowledgement from people, which obviously came from that loss of not having a father there. I didn't actually lose him and I was born into that world completely thinking I was unaffected. How can we get to the bottom of those fears and figure out what is it that's triggering us or what is it that's stopping us? So if it's self-belief or mine was always my appearance, I always just didn't think I was pretty, but no one could figure out where that came from because my mum constantly told me that I was. And there was no massive trigger in my life other than Mm -hmm. that big loss. So how can we get to the bottom of those like subconscious fears as to what is holding us back? It's such a great question because a lot of times it is, as you said, going back to childhood, but you're like, if I don't know where the trigger is, recognize that sometimes, not to get too therapist-y or life coachy, but sometimes we actually block a part of our life or we split ourselves away because it was so traumatic, whether it was deep, real trauma or just an embarrassing moment at school. Most often it is something that happens in our life, but I do listen and I hear what you're saying because yes... I grew up in such an amazing household. I felt so much love, yet I hate my body. And I started to ask, where does this come from? So we can always ask, is this my belief? And I started to recognize it wasn't my belief. And then I started to look at how my mother behaves around food. I started to look at how my grandmother, and I realized it was an ancestral thing that was carried down Mm -hmm. and it gets passed down through DNA. It gets passed through society. If you believe in like past lives and future lives, they say that those influence us on huge levels. And I believe that that actually plays a big part of who we are today. We're like, we're doing all the work, but still we're being blocked, right? And so you go into a place where you can meditate. You can say, I release all that no longer serves me. And that's why a big part of my practice in my whole entire career is based on letting go because we get to places and we are still holding on to a belief, but we don't know where it came from. And sometimes, as I like to think, is it doesn't even matter where it came from. It just matters that we identify it so we can remove it. And so take off the pressure and just say, I'm willing to live my life in new ways. And this is a powerful mantra that can help move you forward. And I think that's inspired by Louise Hay. She says that in her book, You Can Heal Your Life. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And do you use mantras a lot throughout your practice and with your clients? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. In fact, I have a whole book called Find Your Happy Daily Mantras that I wrote for my clients because the very first thing I did when I had no idea what to do was I looked at, and this is a powerful exercise for anyone listening, is write down those fears. Or if we don't know that they're fears, just say, what are my current beliefs? Mm -hmm. And I had current beliefs that you 
you are unlovable, you are ugly, you are overweight, and you can't be successful if you're in this body size, whatever it was. And you write them down on the left side, and those actually are fears. And then I would transform them and say, well, what's the opposite? What would love say? And instead, it's the size of your body doesn't matter. It's who you are and what you share. You know, the mantra of self-love is not how you look. It's about how you live came from that limiting belief that was transformed into love. And so it's a powerful practice. What we're doing is transforming our fear-based mind to the truth, which is love. So starting to replay mantras throughout the day is very powerful work. I have a mantra deck too, like an affirmation card deck. Oh, amazing. I mean, they're probably the biggest thing for me. And I think it's such a new thing to people, especially over here in the UK. And it takes a while, but like every morning I was actually, do you know Shaman Durek? Yes, yes. Yeah, so yeah. he was like, I like to call it wording up. You know, you sit in front of the mirror every day. I find mantras, I'll just say them in the middle of a stress and it chills me out. But I do yeah. in the morning this whole like spiel on myself of like, I love you because you are really caring and kind and you did this for someone yesterday. And it's amazing how your energy just completely shifts. And it's it, yeah, and you just can't even explain it, can you? Someone just has to completely try it. Yeah. And it then again ties back to feeling good. Our number one focus should be, does this make me feel good? And it's about releasing the fear and the barriers in our mind and the mantras help bring you back to who you truly are. So there's a lot of really good resources on mantras and affirmations and really just repeating positive sayings is really what it is. Would you say that that's like the fundamental underlying principle and everything is to feel good? Whatever you're doing, whoever you're around, any situation you're in, if it's not making you feel good, get out. I really do believe that's a big part of it. And so that's everything, right? And that's why we have to constantly be clear about our life because sometimes it does feel good. When I first got into advertising, it felt great. I had my dream, right? But we're always growing and changing. So we have to check in with ourselves. And I think that's a baseline. Does this make me feel good? Because like, that's another thing. I was able to really heal my overeating in the sense of, I know how I'm going to feel after. Like it might make me feel good for a couple bites, but binge eating really doesn't make me feel good in the long run. So you constantly with any area, am I happy in this relationship? Am I happy in this career? And I've written a lot of articles and stuff about that because it's not about just saying, this doesn't make me feel good, I'm out, right? There is work to be done by staying in a situation, whether it's a relationship or a career, until there is that point where it absolutely is no longer serving you. And that is when it's time to grow and leave and change. And I also think that that is incredible in its own right and something that doesn't get shouted out enough about is something serving you for a long period of time and then it all of a sudden no longer serving you and it being so confusing as you're like hang on a minute for me I grew my social media platform I started it to just share as I was learning overcoming intolerances I was born with like all the world's food intolerances and issues you know I started sharing what I was learning as I was overcoming all of that they massively got caught up in this whole other world of personal training and fitness instructing and then I've also outgrown all of that now I'm moving into more like coaching and bringing experts together and presenting and speaking and I'm shedding that that yes. platform but one of my most favorite quotes is Steve Jobs actually and he's like you can't connect the dots going forward you can only connect them going backwards and it changed my whole perspective on life in terms of everything makes sense to where you are now and everything's a stepping stone so had I not have worked in advertising for five years I wouldn't have known how to build a business right create a exactly. message I guess this really fits in with one of your biggest messages of problems of pathways and overcoming those breakthroughs how important is that to see life in that way and get grateful about what you do have, do you think? It is so important. In fact, it's what my next book is, and I'm writing it right now, called The Joyous Journey. And it is 
all about exactly that because we put so much pressure on ourselves. Like I set out to create this or do this or live this. Why doesn't it feel like what I thought? And it's exactly what you said. We are growing. And so really the true beautiful part of living your best life is allowing yourself to grow with the changes that are occurring in your life. Because, and I recognize in this process I take people through in the book, is number one is we've learned what we needed. You got what you needed in advertising. I did too, right? Mm -hmm. Or in that relationship. What I say is like bounce out. It's okay because that next thing coming, you're prepared for it, even though we may not feel like it. So allow yourself to grow. But really it's about permission. Give yourself permission to be who you really are because we are changing every day. We're not the same person we were when we first sat down to talk today or listen to this conversation or a week ago or a year ago. And so to know that we're always growing and learning is a beautiful thing to allow yourself to take that step forward. So bottom line, it's about trusting the journey and being more in the journey because that is where it's at. Like you said, it's so powerful. What's interesting is obviously all these people I've interviewed, every single one is where they are now because of a massive breakdown. So whether it was drug addiction or self-sabotage or a really bad illness that got it, and I'm yet to speak to someone who hasn't had a fundamental massive breakdown as to why they're doing what they're doing. And I think that's like probably one of the biggest lessons that I could take away and share with the audiences from every single podcast I've ever recorded. I'm still yet to meet anyone who just wound up where they were just because it happened, as in like without a reason. You know, I always say I had a really bad breakup as well. And he made me so ill that that was where I started sharing what I was learning. So now I'm like, I am so grateful for you. There's no hate. And I say to him, if I hadn't have had that breakup and I hadn't have been what I've been through with him, I would not be doing what I'm doing today. I'd probably still be in advertising, commuting every day to work, being miserable. And he opened up a whole new pathway to me. And, you know, I was broken from him. I spent two years depressed, crying, screaming myself to sleep. But I will never, ever, ever get rid of those years because that's why I am doing what I'm doing now. It's crazy, isn't it? That the moment you think that. And so now when things go wrong, just in my day to day, I just have that mindset of it was obviously meant to happen. Yeah. And I think that's what's really beautiful. And I think sometimes when we're in our moments, I go back to our spots when we were in those breakdowns, we don't know how we're going to get through. But Mm -hmm. looking back, like you said, we can see how they're connected. But I'd like to offer too, because sometimes we think we have to have a breakdown in order to have a major life event. Wouldn't it be great if we didn't? Most of the time, it's because we're so stubborn. Most of the time, it's because we're so stuck on the way we think it's supposed to be instead of allowing ourselves to be who we're supposed to be and allow it to unfold. So there is a balancing there. The breakdowns actually can be the most beautiful parts of our life because they've given us the clarity to become who we really want to be. And that's something that, like you said, all the podcast guests and the people that we see, we get to a place where then we feel so driven to help others. And that's why we've created our businesses and our careers and do the work we do. Everyone gets to a place where they want to make a difference, but I think there's a lot of pressure on, we have to share it in this monumental way. And sometimes making the biggest difference is just taking yourself out of that situation so you can get to the next chapter of your life. There are so many things I think people will take away from this podcast. And I think we've touched on some incredible, very resonating things for a lot of people. If I was to say to you now, what are your four top tips to anyone right now who is lacking self-love in a place of self-sabotage and loathing and kind of just wants to build up their self-worth and their fulfillment, what would those four tips be? I would say first and foremost, really recognize that you are not off track. You are not behind. You're actually right where you need to be. That's number one, as we just shared with the breakdowns. I think another thing is to start to be more aware of what your inner voice is saying on a level that's not derogatory 
where is it leading you? Where's your heart? Should I go to the bookstore today? Should I invest in a coach? Should I go buy that book that I heard them talking about? Should I go sign up for a new newsletter, a fitness program? Like, yes, yes. Start to say yes and trust yourself instead of overanalyzing and getting out of that way. And then I think another thing is to really surround yourself with people who support you. And sometimes you don't have support in your family, in your life, and you feel lost. So it's about asking, I want to find like-minded people. I want to become more of a community. Maybe it's working with a coach or whatever that looks like. And then the third and or the fourth, I kind of put them in steps here, is to just enjoy the journey and add more joy into today, into right now. So in the next 10 minutes after you're listening to this, say, what can I do that would feel really joyful? I don't think people do that. I don't think people commit to happiness enough and joy and doing what they love. Yeah. And it's actually simple if we break it down and just say, what can I do right now? Because we get so built up on, oh, it's going to take so long or I have to do all these steps or spend so much money. But no, maybe joy right now is drinking a whole glass of water. Maybe joy is just putting your hand on your heart and saying, you know what? You're doing the best you can and that's okay. Today, you're doing good. I know, that's amazing. Honestly, I feel so zen right now as well. I just feel so uplifted. No, that's amazing. So if someone wanted to work with you, I know you work one-on-one with people, don't you? And then you obviously have all of your books and then exciting that you're writing another one. Yes, I'm so excited about this But I actually just had a call with my publisher this morning. We're looking at fall next year or depending on some of the marketing, we're looking at maybe spring. So coming up, it's called the Joy Secret Journal. Play with the World is my website. Play with the World. I also offer a lot of free goodies there. I have meditation albums to help you if you liked that little thing we just did. Mantras. I have a Find Your Happy Mantra book and Affirmation Deck. And of course, the self-love experiment is really such a joyful journey to being your own friend. Wow. Thank you so much for joining me today. And guys, if you're listening, I hope you do take away so many amazing points from here. Everything will be in the show notes anyway. And all of the relevant links and handles to be able to get in touch with Shannon will also be there. Shannon, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for that. You really, really, really resonated with me and I'm sure you have with everyone else as well. So thank you. It's been so good to be here. Thank you. Shannon will be writing some articles for the site as well. So you can always catch up with her there as well. So thank you so much and have a lovely day. We're going to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That was so great. Thank you. Bye. You have been listening to the Alternatively Healthy Wellness Podcast Series by Becky Raven. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please feel free to leave your comments and feedback below and don't forget to give us a lovely little rating. For more information on our podcasts, other episodes and to find out more about what we do, please visit www.alternativelyhealthy.co.uk And remember, shaping the healthiest version of you means looking purely at you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.